All right, you got me. All right. So good evening, citizens of the world. This is the Between the Joysticks podcast, Corona edition. Um, just so you all are aware, we are doing this uh, over over a recording um, digitally. We're not meeting in person for the first time. There's just a lot of things going on. We're both trying to be safe, things like that. Um, but so we're going to start this off. There's not a whole lot of news going on. Um, there is uh, some some interesting things happening in the in the gaming world and the in the business world. We're going to touch on the virus a little bit more this week, just because of of what's happened. Let's talk about GameStop first and, and what they're doing, and whether I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. So in case you haven't heard, and for the listeners, uh, GameStop has pretty much said that they're an essential business, regardless of what anybody says at this point. Uh, and yes, that does include the, the authorities. Uh, they've given a memo out to all of their employees, and then they've instructed their employees to give that memo to any authorities that come through that tell them they have to shut their doors. Uh, and the reason that they're saying that they're essential essentially is that they sell goods and products and services that enhance your life while you're at home. I uh, truthfully think that this is pretty much garbage. Uh, It's a scummy thing even for GameStop to do. But at the same time, I I understand where they're coming from because if they have a stoppage that could last several weeks, I don't think they'll make it through it. Uh, That would be a death sentence to them, essentially. Uh, with the way that the world is going. So, LZ, why don't you give me your thoughts on, on what's going on, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. I mean, I haven't been to a GameStop in years because of their crappy business practice. There you go. But this is definitely one of the worst. Um, but honestly, I don't see how they can support saying that they do anything like that when you can order pretty much any game. As long as you already have a console in your house, everything you need to purchase can be done through a, di- through a digital subscription service through Xbox's Game Store, PlayStation's Game Store, Nintendo's Game Store. Yes. And there's all kinds of digital versions. You don't have to go to an actual store to buy a physical hard disk anymore. So I'm not really buying that argument. No, I agree. I don't think it, I don't think anybody is buying the argument that they're selling. I think we all kind of realize that GameStop are you know, a pretty crappy company for the most part. Uh, and it's just the way that the world has been moving. I mean, you, you're you right. Anything that GameStop sells, aside from collectibles for the most part, can be ordered. Can, I mean, everything they sell can be ordered other places. Um, but you're right. Games, things like that, uh, you know, Xbox points, PlayStation points, Nintendo points, whatever you call that, uh, it can all be ordered off Amazon or Walmart target uh the gamestop website anything like that so i completely agree with you Uh, i don't think anybody is i don't think anybody would say that you know they i don't think there's anybody out there that disagrees with with what we're saying uh i just think that i just think that it's it's a bad look because uh i'll be honest i go to gamestop a little bit more than most people uh i i was actually just there yesterday uh, the only reason that I the only reason I went in yesterday was because they sold Doom a day early, and I thought, okay, if I can get it early, if I can play it, you know, I, I'd rather do that than than wait an extra day essentially because I wasn't going to play it at midnight. I've got things going on. I have to get up in the morning, so I can't stay up and play it uh, the same way that I would if I would have like last night. I got it. I think I got it installed around eight p.m. and I played till about ten. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but that was something nice that they did. Now, obviously, it sucks that they're open, but you know that's the only reason that 
I really went there essentially. Uh, the only other reason I go there is because I, I collect some of the items that they, they carry in the store. Very rarely do I find myself buying a game at GameStop. Any used games or retro games, more than likely we've got a – me and you have a game store in town that we can go to. They usually have what I'm looking for. Unless I absolutely can't find it there, I'll order a, I'll order a, um, a retro game off GameStop's website. So very rarely am, am I going in the store to buy a, a game per se. Usually, it's it's many of the other things that they carry, and it's just because that's just the way GameStop is now. I mean, their their model is not productive for the world that we live in. It's just not. They don't. They're too specialized. And the other, you know, bigger retailers, Amazon, Target, Walmart, they can do their job just as good, if not better. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's wrong. I just, you know, I'm pretty much the same way as you. I mean, anytime I go there really is because they have all the Think Geek merchandise, the collectible merch that, yes, that I do. that's the big I've thing. Fan before GameStop purchased them. And I thought, oh, man, this is actually going to get me to go back to GameStop. And I still really haven't gone back. Uh, except for the fact that you know they've they've retooled and shut down their app and website and basically you can only find their stuffs really in stores anymore and very limited stuff online. So I would argue even then that GameStop's purchase of ThinkGeek has really ran that that service that company down the drain. Um, and that that's yeah. that too. But uh, yeah, I really don't go there for much of anything. I mean, I, I might get a I might go get a spare controller, or an extra headset, something that I can find for cheaper there than I would at Walmart or something like that, but that's only again, so I can support some sort of local semi local chain. At least I'm going to give somebody a decent amount of paycheck business uh, rather than, than giving it to Jeff Bezos. Right. I, and I get that. And that's the big thing for me is um, a lot of the times I can get games. I mean, now you can definitely get games cheaper at Walmart for whatever reason. And I've noticed this over the past year, you can get brand new games available at Walmart day one for $50. I don't know why that is. I don't know if Walmart is just under undercutting. Um, Amazon used to do something similar where you got 20% off new yeah, 20% games if you pre-ordered. But I don't think they do that anymore. I don't know. It's been a while since I've done since uh, And I know Best Buy had something similar, and they canceled that program. So they don't do that anymore. So right now, uh, Walmart is the best place to get the best value, essentially. Uh, I can't think of anywhere else. I know there's some co- – I know there's some, like, um, local game stores, like our local game store, sells new games for $5 off. Generally, it's not worth my trouble to go all the way out there if that's the only thing I'm going for for $5. Walmart's a little closer to me, so it's easier to pick that up for $10 off. But if I'm there and there's a new game coming out, I'll usually grab it for, you know, I'll try to save as much money as I can essentially. But uh, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, the things that GameStop does, This is these are the things that make us you know, think of them the way that they are, essentially. Things like this, their shady business practices, the things that they, you know, you can't go into a GameStop without being harassed, essentially, when you buy a game. That's a big reason why I stopped buying games there. And it was nice because, I, like I said, I went in there yesterday to get Doom, and I didn't get harassed, but I felt like the only reason I wasn't getting harassed is because they were only letting 10 people inside the store at the time I went and there was two people sitting outside. So they were trying to move people along as quickly as they could. Um, but, but like I said, I, I, I get why they're trying to stay open. I don't agree with it, but if they close for any considerable amount of time, 
they will they will shut down completely because they they cannot afford to pay their employees. They and if they stay closed for uh, you know a certain amount of time, they still have to pay rent on all the buildings that they own. Uh, I can see that being the death of GameStop, you know, very very soon. It, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Regardless, this may just speed it up. Um, LZ, any other thoughts on that uh, before we move on to our next topic? No, not really. I don't really have anything to add to it. Yeah, I mean, I thought we'd bring it up. It is some, some bigger news. Definitely go out and support your local game store. At this yes. Time. They are still open. And even when, yes. even when things reopen, go there first. Yes. I, so as you say that, I, I definitely plan on making a trip. I'm actually going to see if I can go tomorrow morning. Um, I, I'm looking for a couple of, for a couple of retro games, uh, and I hope I can, I can pick them up there. I'd rather not order them off GameStop's website. Um so I, I've already priced them out to what I can find them on there. If I can get them cheaper or for about the same price or maybe even just a little bit more, I'll gladly get them at our local game store. I'm not going to have to pay for shipping, things like that. So, yes, I agree with LZ. Definitely go out, support your local game stores. If you guys have something like that, you know, frequent it, get to know the people there because more often than not, they're they're there working there, doing that because that's what they love and, and they want to interact with people who, who think the same way. So definitely go and support them and, uh, you know, as long as they're open, you know, give them all the support you can. Uh, look, we're going to stay on gaming news for a little bit. We're going to talk about some uh, gaming releases. Uh, essentially, every game that is going to release from now to the end of April sounds like it's going to be safe. It will release on time uh, with no you know, delays, anything like that. Most of those games are finished. From what I've heard from everybody else... Uh, you know, a couple news outlets on YouTube, um, some other smaller YouTubers, things like that. It sounds like everything past April is kind of up in the air. Uh, it, it could get delayed. It couldn't. Um, I know there's not a whole lot of stuff coming out between now and April or the end of April. There is a couple things. But, I mean, let's be honest. Most of this year is very uh, backloaded. Uh, a lot of the good stuff this year comes out. Uh, the tail end of the year, holiday season, and, and this goes for the consoles as well. We don't know if the consoles are going to survive without a delay. Both Microsoft and and PlayStation, as of today, have said that, yes, they are still releasing holiday 2020. What are your thoughts on that? I mean... Games are going to release whenever they're going to release, but obviously any company that's still punching out like crunch time refinishes and retouches and things like that. Like I know last of us is still busy with their post-production and they've been, at least from according to what I've seen on, on Twitter and Reddit, they've been pushing the social, social distancing and, you know, trying to keep everything uh, as far set as they can. And they're, they really are kind of on the tail end of, of their, they're polishing there so that it might very much just be something that if it is all it is, is is just graphics polish or a handful of bug fixes i mean if people really want the games i imagine they'd be able to release them i just i don't know it that, that comes more down to what the actual company feels they're co- comfortable releasing now obviously it won't be like a bethesda studio or an ea games release where they're perfectly fine dropping stuff that needs massive day one patches and and multiple patches afterwards where we just expect bugs to be ever present and patches consistent and ever present. But um, uh, I, I think that all of it just comes down to, does it really matter at this point is, is, you know, it, it comes down to what, 
what's more valuable to us? Is it the bottom line and the, the hard release date when we've already pushed multiple games back already uh, for other reasons? Or, you know, is, is that mighty dollar uh, greater than, than our employees' needs? So uh, I'd like to think that most of these companies are, are, are not that way. And like what we've seen with Last of Us and things like that, they've definitely pushed back a lot of things for a lot less serious reasons. So I, I, I tend to think that they're, uh, they're, there's enough good guy game developers out there that they're taking it seriously enough that while it may be impacted, who knows? We might see some stuff get released early. We've seen some things uh, in the movie industry get released early to streaming, like Disney's dropped Frozen 2 early. They're talking about releasing Birds of Prey early on. On, on streaming services. So, I mean, it very well could be that we might get a, get an advanced copy of some of these games. Who knows? It might be a digital early release. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so on your point there, just, just let everyone know, uh, Disney actually dropped onward on Disney plus it, it either came out today or it's coming out April 3rd. I cannot remember. Uh, I would recommend checking if that's something you're interested in, though, because I can't remember if it came out April 3rd or it was on there until April 3rd. So that is something that you can go view if you have a Disney Plus account. Uh, That is something that just came out. Uh, But to get back on topic, yeah, I I agree with you. I I mean, I think you're going to have – I mean, you're going to have games that are going to be delayed again. Um, The Last of Us is just on the cusp. It's at the end of May. It's May 29th. I I don't see I don't see a game like that getting delayed because I feel like it was delayed to polish it a little bit. It's gonna I think it's it's for the most part ready to go, but it just needed that extra month or two to to kind of tune it up. Um, same thing with like Cyberpunk. I don't think Cyberpunk is gonna get delayed again. Uh, anything that was gonna come out in the beginning of this year, so Cyberpunk, Last of Us, and the Avengers game, I think all of those are safe. I don't think you're going to have any issues with any of that because I think for the most part, and I could very well be wrong, I'm not a game developer, I think for the most part, those games are finished. They're more or so, it's getting things polished, making sure servers are working correctly for online ones like Avengers, um, and, and making sure everything is together and you know working properly, essentially, with as little bugs as you can get. Because like we've said, there has been a huge you know, shift in the market over the last year, year, year and a half to where, you know, we're not getting games like Fallout 76 releasing anymore. We're getting, you know, we're getting completed, you know, full product games that, that, you know, don't, that are going to have day one patches, but not things that are going to be like 30 gigabytes. So I think those kind of games are safe. I think there's, you know, the games that haven't been delayed, um, Possibly some of the you know console exclusive games. I think those you know you're a little risk. You're at a little risk there. Um, so I, I think it depends too. We'll find out a lot more information around E3 and you know closer to June. If if Last of Us two if Last of Us Parts two gets delayed, that'll be very telling. Um, I, like I said, I don't think it will, but. If that goes, I can see Cyberpunk and Avengers, Halo Infinite, you know, all of the all of those games. If the consoles get delayed, and I think, and let me be clear, I think consoles getting delayed is a lot more realistic than games getting delayed. I feel like games can still release. You can get a game out digitally. Um, you know, maybe we only just maybe we just see digital only releases for for a while. We we don't know. We've never had anything like this happen. But it's easier to get a game out digitally when you don't have to manufacture and things like that. You just have to get a file together, compressed, and uploaded. 
for people to download. You know, you can manufacture and ship and things like that later. Uh, so that's the big thing that holds the consoles back. I don't think that'll happen. I think I think in, in a couple months, um, hopefully by the, the you know mid to end of summer, this is all cleared up and, and we're we're a little bit more sure of the future. But for the most part, I think. I think everything's going to be okay. I could see a couple of delays coming, but like I said, there's not a whole lot of meat in this year. A lot of it is, you know, it, it's backloaded this year. So um, I think it's, it's very, it's, you know, it's hard, it's hard to tell, but I think it's certainly plausible that, you know, some games get delayed, some games don't, but I also think it's plausible that, you know, nothing really happens to any of the games essentially. So uh, we'll see in due time. Um, I think, like I said, I think we're going to find out a lot during E3 and, and the weeks leading up to E3. Um, you know, I, I'd be shocked if, if, and even if things get delayed, I don't think it'll be too, too, too late. Yeah, it's always hard to tell where this stuff is. And I'm back. All right, cool. So we had a little bit of a you know, tech issue. We had to cut that segment a little bit short, but we were pretty much finished with that anyway. We'll move on to the, what we're going to talk about next, and that was the PS5 tech reveal. Uh, LZ, what did you did you get to see anything on this? Have you checked out anything about it? I mean, uh, what yeah, are your thoughts? I've seen it. I mean, a lot of people, depending on what camp you fall in, whether it's Xbox or PS5, I mean, everybody's saying, okay, so it's a major big deal that, you know, obviously the Xbox has a little more power. It's got like, I think it's 10.2, 10.3 teraflops that the PS5 is supposed to have compared to the 12 uh, that uh, that the Xbox Somewhere in there, yeah. has, uh, Series X. And then you've got, you know, there's a bunch of like little things like the PS5 doesn't have true ray tracing built into it, actual hardware. The Xbox One Series X does. Uh, it still has that capability, but it's not true ray, ray tracing technology um, that's actually built into the, into the GPU processor. Right. Um, but the only thing that makes up for that is the fact that PS5 does have a solid state drive built into it. Now, that is game changing. That is a big, massive yeah. pickup for them that the Series X doesn't have. But I don't necessarily know if that solid state drive is really going to be enough because it is going to pick up that performance where the ray tracing isn't going to be native. But I, I, it's going to bring things to where they're just about even, honestly, in terms of consoles because they are virtually almost identical at that point between the solid state drive and the true ray tra- tracing. And you're only losing maybe two ish ter- teraflops of, of computing power. But again, I mean, who, who knows? Because like we said, you know, we're still operating on 4K technology at best for most people. A lot yeah. of people are still operating on just standard HD. A lot of people aren't working on actual native 4K. I mean, it is much more affordable now. It's much more prominent, but not everybody's yes. on it. And the big thing about next-gen consoles is they're supposed to be running 8K, which that technology I haven't even seen in most stores yet outside of Best Buy's uh, performance wall. Uh, so, and, and again, those, those are super expensive. So maybe by the time we get three or four years down the road, uh, right around the mid center of this life cycle, we'll see native 8k. Um, but again, until we're able to utilize all that power, these consoles are pretty much exactly the same. So it basically is just going to come down to how strong, um, their first party games and their exclusives are going to be, uh, at launch that really determines who wins this console war. Because once they... Once the PS5 dropped that detailed view uh, for for the PS5, that's really kind of what brought everybody back into, okay, yeah, the, P- the, the console war is back because these two consoles are virtually identical again. 
Um, but that's pretty much my take on it. That's what I've seen around most of the most of the internet. But they are, you know, Xbox is on paper the stronger of the two, right? Uh, but ever just so slightly. And people who don't understand the importance of what that solid straight drive does uh, for the PS5, uh, that that really is what evens the two of them out for most of their their shortcomings. But yeah, that, they are pretty much identical. Yeah, and let's virtually. The I same. mean, yeah, yeah, let's let's look at it. I mean, the thing is, we've talked about this before. We've gone over Xbox and PlayStation. Um, the, you buy a PlayStation to play their exclusive titles. You buy an Xbox because it's the best place to play most other games. Uh, any third party games, uh, I, I'm I, for the most part, I'm buying it on my Xbox because it's going to run. If you have an X, uh, if you have, the, if you're talking, you have the 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 X or the PS4 Pro, the, the best model of both. Generally, a third-party game is going to run better, look a little bit better on the X. Now, I'm not saying the PS4 or the PS5 is going to be bad, but obviously, you want to get that because you want to play their exclusive titles. That is that's the main draw of the PS4 currently. Um, now, before the Pro and the X and the S came out, the PS4 kind of won in everything it was the more powerful console it was cheaper um you know had the better exclusives now some of those things have kind of flipped on their head i mean you can go get an xbox one right now for like 150 bucks you probably it's pretty tough to find a ps4 under 200 dollars. they've held their value very well um exclusive games obviously there's not a lot on the xbox the ps4 is, is gonna win in that territory uh, but overall, True, but, you know, but to counterbalance that out, Xbox has almost its entire gaming library open, whereas the PlayStation true. doesn't. And right. Moving into next gen, they're only going to at launch have their top hundred best selling games of the PS4 available. So to, to the PS5. So that was that was clarified today. Uh, well, the, Sony came out and said basically uh, that the the top one hundred games are going to be. It's some kind of uh, like a booster on, on the system that is going to run. Um, every PS4 game, they said mostly uh, 4,000 plus will be playable on the PS5. It's just the the top games. The the uh, I don't know how they're I don't know how they are classifying them, but the top games are going to get a a boost in performance, uh, stability frame rate, things like that. That's what they meant. It's very confusing. That's well, another that thing about the press be, conference that's still, that, that didn't come out whole, well. That's still not their whole library because what was originally rumored was everything including Vita, which Vita didn't even show up on, on this release. But I mean, when Xbox Series X comes out, it's supporting everything back to original yes. Xbox. And that's yep. something that PS5 isn't going to do. It's something they haven't done. And it doesn't really seem to be something that they're showing a whole lot of interest in because their issue is pushing things forward and pushing their big titles, but not really worrying about a lot of those other smaller indie titles and things like that that people have enjoyed. So I'm wondering if that's going to title into what their what their top hundred games is. Is it based on you know PlayStation sales or is it based on you know like affinity in the franchise through their communities? Because Xbox has really rounded that out uh, on this. Yes. and I think that's what really really pushes because day one. Everything that's available right now on Xbox One X in, in Game Pass and things like that is going to be there. Their yeah. whole backwards library is going to be there. PlayStation still isn't going to have that. It's going to be maybe the top 100 games and virtually every game on PS4. But that's not native backwards compatibility to PS3, PS2, PS4. Correct. And that's the, that's the big problem, problem I have with it. Yes. 
that's what Xbox does very well. They include, they've included everything in their library. So any first party Xbox games, um, most, some, some third party exclusive titles that came to the Xbox are, are on a game pass and they're available. You can stick the disc in. They do that very well. It is the one thing that frustrates me with PS, the, the PlayStation, because I feel like they have such a deeper background and history. I mean, obviously they've been around a lot longer. I would love some place to play, you know, original PlayStation, PS2, and PS3 games. I miss the PS3, so I don't. I have not experienced almost anything from that generation. Um, I think the thing you will see, though, and they're they're doing it this, you know, with the PS4 this generation. There's a lot of older like PS2, PS1 games, PS3 that are available digitally that you'll have to essentially buy again for you know 10, 15, 20 bucks, sometimes cheaper than that. And that's how they're gonna. That's how they're gonna get you saying that you know we can do backwards compatibility. It's just uh, it, it's you can't be you can't be physically with it. Um, so I get that. You know, I don't think I think people were disappointed also with the the conference. Um, Microsoft essentially did the same thing PlayStation did, but they did it in a write up. They gave all of the Xbox stats in a, in a you know in a page on Twitter essentially. PlayStation took an hour out of everybody's day to pretty much say the same thing, and it wasn't even as good as what Xbox put out. So I think people were expecting a little bit more. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what we got. I was kind of self-aware and didn't think that we were going to see anything too crazy. Uh, Mark Cerny, the guy who did the the press conference, he's very much a tech guy. Uh, generally, when he comes up there and talks, uh, it's going to be you know very methodical. It's going to kind of be boring unless you're really into that kind of thing. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm saying it was boring to me, but it's not boring to everybody. There may be someone out there who got really excited for this because that's their thing. They're a tech guy. They like looking at the the specs of the console. You you know, they want to know what's in there and what's making it tick. And that's fine. If you got super excited for it, that's great. I'm just saying some consumers, you know, may have thought that we were going to get a little bit more because let's be honest, we haven't seen anything from the PlayStation 5 yet. This was the first big info dump they've given us. We don't know what the console looks like. We don't know. We know one game. We know one exclusive game, and that's Godfall coming from we, Gearbox Studios. Photos of what it's supposed to look like, but still, we've seen dev kits that are that will look similar. Yeah, they'll it'll be something around that look, but uh, more than likely, some things will change because what we saw was very bulky. I imagine it's going to slim down a lot. Um, but PlayStation just hasn't given us a lot of info, and I, I, I think it's just because they're kind of playing their cards close to their chest. They're obviously winning the generation currently with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One going on. Um, you know, they, they won that a couple of years ago, and they really haven't looked back. Um, but I also think that there's concerns. You know, uh, obviously, we had the report come out a couple months ago that, uh, you know, the production costs were $450, and that's not including, uh, you know, shipping and marketing and, and production or and packaging and things like that. Uh, so that's obviously an issue because that's already $50 more than what we paid for a PS4 on launch. Um, I have to imagine the Xbox is going to stick to around $500 for their new console, considering the Xbox One X isn't even running at that much right now. You can get it. You could get it as cheap as uh, $399, or I'm sorry, $349.99 uh, and $299 a little while ago on sale. But now it's more it's more towards the $249. Three ninety nine, or uh, I'm sorry, it's running right now at three forty nine and three ninety nine uh, currently that I've seen. So 
I don't think Xbox is going to be priced at five hundred dollars. We've seen what the Xbox One X series or the Series X looks like, and we know several exclusive games for it. So I think you know PlayStation is is playing things close to their chest, and that's fine. They're you know they're allowed to do that. They're a company; they can do whatever they see fit. But I, I think that's hurting them right now because Xbox has Game Pass. They've got you know there's there's um, the smart player i can't remember exactly what it was called smart access something like that um where if you own a game on xbox one and you put it in your series x if there's an update available for it to make it the best available version you'll get that version um so i mean xbox is employing a lot of things that are going to give it points in the consumer department uh i don't think sony will have to match every single one of those if their exclusives are good uh and the console is not overpriced i think they'll be fine i I just can't see them having too many issues in the next generation with how successful they've been this generation um go ahead you have something to say no no i was just reaching for the rum no you're good So next, we're going to talk about uh, some releases we had this week. Um, we're just going to talk on them very briefly, uh, if you have any if thoughts or anything like that. Um, we did get Doom and Animal Crossing releasing this week. Uh, and this has been – these are essentially the first two, you know, really big releases this year. Uh, I don't think I've purchased a game this year until, until I bought Doom. Uh, I bought Doom yesterday, like I said. Uh, my brother purchased Animal Crossing. I haven't got a chance to play it yet. He's actually going to come over tonight after we are wrapped up. I've seen uh, I'm going to get to play that too. That but is- I, yes, I've heard great things about. So I, so uh, I'll, I'll talk. We can talk about Doom first. I, I got to play it last night. Played about two hours of it. Got through the first two levels of the game. Uh, refreshingly challenging. The first, the first. It may just be because I haven't, I haven't played Doom and. A long time. Uh, I played Doom 2016 probably about a year after it came out, and I beat it. Uh, and I never replayed or anything like that. So it's been about four years or three years since I played a Doom game. Um, I, I, from what I can see so far, I love it. Uh, it's it's great to get back into the the Doom franchise. Uh, Hell on Earth is, I mean, it looks amazing. Uh, the things that you can do, uh, the movements, the the changes to some of the combat are really nice. Uh, there's some some things I don't love about it, uh, and that's mainly uh, some little things. Uh, like I know that they the glory kill system. They have stated they've added a bunch of those. Uh, I don't see them nearly as much. I've seen the same one probably 15 or 30 times already, um, which is unfortunate because I wanted a little bit more you know uh, variety in those, just because it is so much a part of the game. Um, but the, the challenges are, the challenge is, is nice. It, it's refreshingly challenged. It's not overly challenging like Dark Souls, but it is something that when you jump in, uh, you, you know, it's going to, it's going to give it to you a little bit. And I think it's just, um, you know, Doom is just one of those games where you have to kind of get back into your, your flow. You regenerate health by, you know, killing certain enemies and, and killing them in different ways. So I found myself several times within the first, you know, two hours of play. Um, kind of looking around going, okay, crap, I'm low on health. I need to, you know, I need to get a glory kill off or, you know, I need to find somebody uh, that I can, you know, you know, pick up a little bit of health, pick up some armor, things like that. Uh, and the tools that they give you early on for the most part, you know, allow you to do that. You're, you're rewarded with some, some pretty good stuff right out of the gate. 
to you know to kind of you know help you flourish in the game. Um, LZ, did you have you played Dune? You played the first one or anything, or do you know anything about the series for I've, the most I've part? I played some. I've played some, a little bit of almost every every game. Because uh, it, it, it is fun. It is one of the original you know RPG shooters uh, that was successfully put out there. Um, but yeah, I, I am familiar with the franchise. I mean, Critical Role just did uh, for anybody who watches streams or listens to their podcast. They just did a Doom Eternal one shot. Uh, using D&D 5th edition sponsored by Bethesda um, where some of the voice actors who worked in the game uh, voicing certain NPCs that, that are that are key to the to the lore of that universe uh, it kind of sets up a nice little little three hour uh, adventure that serves as a semi not it's not canonical but it very much could be a, a nice little prequel to Doom Eternal uh, so that that was a that was a bit of a joy to get to jump into that and see what was going on there um, and kind of refresh myself on where the lore is as it stands now, um, but yeah, I, I am familiar with the gameplay. I've seen, I've I've watched watched some streams. I've I've played some, a little bit of every different game, so I'm aware of, of the the impact and and the advancement that that series has taken on. And it is an enjoyable game because uh, it, it very much is that you know um, just kind of push your way through hordes of enemies in your classic yes. just crawl through levels and just waylay enemies and that's basically the main point of that that game is just to enjoy yourself wait wait wading through hordes of enemies kind of the way that we typically enjoy the more classic uh halo franchises which is just bring on more enemies more challenge as we go and and just it's kind of just a race against time to clear those clear those levels and uh yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a it's a fun way to just kind of kind of kill time and and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah easily easily a, a game where you just kind of sit, sit down and you don't have to think too hard about what's going on um now you you can so they do add there are um secrets in every level that you can still add there's a map system that that lays things out for you that kind of gives you clues but doesn't shove it right in your face so it's not too easy um so th that is nice the thing that obviously lacks in games like this and, and rage 2 had the same problem the story's not really there um, I mean, it's okay. You you know what's going on. You're trying to save Earth for the most part. But other than that, it's just uh, it's just kind of run and gun. I mean, it's just a fun game to play where you can kind of just throw your weight around. Uh, like I said, I only played for two hours, but I already felt myself getting stronger and, and not having to struggle with so many demons. Um, so that is the really nice part about it. It's very rewarding very quickly. Uh, they threw a couple things at me quickly, and I struggled with it at first. And then after, you know, an hour of playing, you know, it, it got it got much easier. Uh, you know, I was able to finish off enemies quicker, um, move around a lot faster, get the terrain under my my feet a little bit better. So that was that was really nice. Uh, I, it's probably been the game I've been looking forward to the most uh, that was coming this early. So hopefully I'll, I'll get that finished and then I can get back into my backlog because like I, I still am working on that. Um, the other game that came out was Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, this has been something that has been wanted for a long time. Uh, we obviously did not get an Animal Crossing game on the Wii U. We did on the Wii. Uh, and the last one we got was for the 3DS. So I, I have not played this game yet. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't even think I played New Leaf. Um, but I have played all the other ones. Uh, my brother did get this game. I've talked to him a little bit about it. He absolutely loves it. He said it's pretty much what he wants, what he's always wanted an Animal Crossing game to be. 
Um, he did say he did say it is a little slow in the beginning, first day. There's not a whole lot going on, um, but obviously Animal Crossing runs on an actual time system. So tomorrow he should be into it. He should get a lot, a little bit more unlocked and, and figured out, and really get into the meat and potatoes and stuff as well. So yeah, uh, Cole, have you have you played Animal Crossing? Yeah, I played Animal Crossing way back in the day when it was available back only really on the DS and portable systems, and and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting uh, this time was you can basically get licenses to basically carve the landscape. You can create cliffs and, and cut down yeah. and and you can kind of jump up and down from those various platforms. Uh, you can carve your own rivers and waterfalls, and, and I thought that was really cool that it makes it a little more uh, crafting base and it's not just you know shaking trees and and, and buying some furniture. It seems to be a little more uh, innovative and and a lot more. Uh, intuitive, uh, which Definitely. is really, I think, adding adding extra layers to to a nice just kind of zen game like that is a is a really really good way of definitely adding in a lot of enjoyability and replayability and a little variation that a lot of people aren't going to have because everybody's gonna, everybody's own unique little little speck of world is going to be a little bit different. Uh, so when you get to visit those different areas, it's going to be really really cool to to visit and hang out with other people when when you get to go do that. Because yeah. that was something you used to be able to go do. You used to be able to go and visit in other people's worlds when you took yes. the, the bus and things so you, like that. So I'm imagining yeah. you still get to do that, but getting to have that different visible difference as opposed to walk yes. to the exact same place and the only thing different was their personal house. That that seems to be a, a much more interesting thing that I think Nintendo's being able to do. Yes, yeah, so you can still do that. Um, I do know that you can have up to eight people, including yourself, in the, in the same island. Um, so that is something that is really cool. So, I mean, there's obviously with the switch being handheld and, you know, the, the ability to move around as easily, it, it's going to be so much easier for things like that to happen between friends. Um, especially, you know, with the internet being around the last game, I mean, obviously 3DS had that capability, but before that, the one for the Wii was city folk, you know, online play wasn't quite there yet. Uh, we were getting there, I would say, cause that what the Wii was 2008. So we were right on the cusp of, 360 so yeah i would say xbox live was around the playstation network was around but it was it was in its newer stage so definitely getting to be able to visit other people's you know places that's awesome that's so cool to do um i think nintendo really knocked it out of the park with with animal crossing new horizons Uh, it's a game that i think if you're an animal crossing fan you're gonna love if you're a life simulator fan you're gonna love it the things you're able to do and the things you're able to you know essentially um you know, get away with within your town are going to be, you know, almost limitless. So it is just going to be, it is one of the the more anticipated releases, not necessarily from me or you, but from a lot of fans out there. Uh, and it is clearly something that people are interested in and, and is always going to have a market. It's become one of Nintendo's staple franchises since it was released on the GameCube back then. So I think that's great. Uh, I love that. And I also love the, the, this tiny friendship that the Doom and, and Animal Crossing communities have kind of put together since they were releasing on the same day. Uh, it is definitely uh, one of the cooler things to see when you get two, two you know, different franchises like that and their fans kind of come together to, to celebrate games. Uh, easily one of the coolest things about the, the gaming community that, that we'll ever see. Uh, LZ, do you have any other thoughts on, on Doom or Animal Crossing? Uh, no, just everybody, if you have a chance to get both of those games, you know, uh, go out there and, and enjoy, slay all the demons you can. 
and uh, definitely don't take any crap from Tom Nook. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they're definitely great quarantine games too. So if you guys are self quarantining, think about picking those up. They are going to be some great time fillers. Uh, another thing. So we've got a couple different, couple more things to talk about. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about um, the Black Widow movie being delayed for for a little bit. Um, we obviously know that it was delayed indefinitely the other day. Um, they have said that they do not plan to release it on Disney Plus or on VOD. Uh, they said that it is a movie that deserves a theatrical release. Yeah, and they would lose uh, way too much money by doing that. Agreed. Yes, absolutely agreed. Even um, if, even if he, they just put it behind a paywall in in Disney Plus, yes. like say it was like uh, accessible, but like you have to you rent it for ten bucks. Fifteen dollars, yeah. or you rent it for ten bucks, or whatever the typical, you know, when you go to buy it or rent it on Amazon, that brand new DVD purchase price. Nobody's really going to want to do that just to boost ticket sales because that would be what you're doing. You're making up for ticket sales. So if one person person purchases it, and you know there's an average of two to three, four people in in the average American household. Exactly. You have to make up four persons' ticket prices, which on average are right around ten bucks a piece. So for them to do that, you'd have to actually pay forty dollars to see that movie. And the the logistics of that is just it, it's it's too hard to do, and there's an awful lot of money. This is, I mean, these are multi million dollar movies. Yes. They go like Onward, which only costs maybe a million, couple hundred thousand dollars to make, animate, including you know actor salaries and, and voice actor salaries and, and things like that, uh, and the tech that it takes to, to and the time that it takes to spend it, to make it. That's not necessarily saying that Onward doesn't necessarily deserve that kind of that kind of thing, but it did have a little bit of a theatrical run before. Yeah, it, it came they're, out a couple. They're not really ago, making so. up for for anything there, um, but it, it is a lot harder to do with a with a blockbuster film compared to a feel good family film. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree with you. I, I don't think I don't think it will be something that releases digitally. Uh, if it is, it would be. If this movie had came out a month ago, this would be a different story. If it had come out the beginning of March, I think we would be talking about it coming to Disney Plus early, like Onward's doing. Um, now, if it came out digitally and I saw it, would I probably go see it again in the theater? There's a decent chance if it was good, um, you know, because I know that you know by Disney putting it out there for us to enjoy digitally, that they're missing out on things like that. So. Someone like me, uh, someone like my my brother who's a big Marvel fan, we would want to go back and see it again in the theater just so we can so we can experience it in that big screen. Um, but I agree with you. A lot of people are not like that. They would probably see it once and go, okay, I, I got to see it. You know, there's nothing I, I else I really need to do with it anymore. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think it will be coming to Disney Plus. I don't think they'll do video on demand or anything like that. A couple other movies have done that. I think it'll take I think it'll be more like uh, John Krasinski's The Quiet Place Part 2. That was delayed indefinitely. Uh, it was supposed to release today, actually. Um, and it was it was delayed. So I think it will be, um, you know, in the same time frame as that, essentially. I think they'll kind of get together and, and release. And obviously, if they keep, you know, delaying these movies, they're going to have to stagger things because – they can't all release at the same time or nobody's going to make any money essentially or one movie like like black widow could essentially overshadow everything else and these other movies could not do as well so even if everything is delayed up into a certain time you know you're gonna have a backlog of things that that release so you're not stacking a bunch of releases on top of each other i mean Uh, because nobody nobody wants that that's true but there is usually a giant 
I mean, summer is really kind of the big summer blockbuster time, and then you have the other big time, which is right around Christmas, January. It's right between. It's right in summer when everybody's available, or it's right in winter. Yes. Uh, and I'm using these from the North American perspective because obviously they're flipped if you're on the other side of the globe. But um, you know, winter and summer are the two times when everybody doesn't really have a whole lot to do uh, in the winter. Anyway, the only thing you really have to do outside, if you're if the world is covered in blanketed in snow and ice, is to sit around and watch a movie or to go see a movie because you right. can't go to the parks, you can't go do the things. But summer is also the big time when everybody has time off of work and they have the time to go see things, typically. So, you know, those are your two big times. And then you kind of stagger some things out. There's some stuff that usually drops in the spring. There's some light stuff that drops in the fall. But for the most part, those are kind of your empty spaces uh, in terms of, of movie lulls and things like that. There's a handful that tend to stay in there. That's typically when you see your, your more religiously affiliated films, your sports films, the things that are there to kind of keep the, keep the constant stream of money flowing in. Um, yeah. but they're, they're really waiting on those high high ticket times um, yes. but again we very much could see depending on how long this goes on those will probably fill up those empty spots and then the, those lighter slots will probably end up going either straight to DVD or they'll get a very limited time run in the theaters uh, right. their obligations but. yeah and, and we've seen movies that are already out currently go straight to VOD um, that they, while they are still technically out and I say that in quotation marks because there's no movie theaters that are really open right now anyway. So they're not getting the exposure. Um, you know, they can only be run for so long before you need to pull them. Uh, so it, it's best to just have those go straight to VOD because they're, you know, they're getting hurt currently, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to see, like, like I said, I, I would hope that this stuff is, you know, is cleared up within you know, mid to late summer, um, you know, as early as late, late June, you know, as late as early August. Um, that's kind of been, you know, the time frame in my head. I don't know about everybody else. I'm sure there's other people that think, you know, this is going to be a nightmare and it's going to last until, you know, it's going to be like an 18 month thing, which I don't think it'll be quite that bad. You know, obviously I understand the circumstances. I understand that this is a global pandemic. I, I know what's going on. I would just like to think that we're a little bit more prepared as a society and we can we could cut this down in a couple of months and it's not going to be something that lasts, you know, a year and a half, essentially. Um, but I, I do think that we're going to see some more movie delays. Obviously, we, we've, we're coming up on a big point. May is, is one of those times of the year where you can get some bigger releases um, along with June. And then, you know, we'll see more in November and in December. So hopefully... Things clear up by that time, at least, so we're not having to delay things. Um, like, uh, I know there's a Godzilla versus Kong movie coming out. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, obviously, um, we've got the Eternals coming out. I'm looking forward to that. So hopefully none of that stuff has to be delayed because it's later in the year. Hopefully everything can can release at its, at its proper time over the next month, a couple months, things like that, and we can get things squared away. Um Elsie, anything else? Anything else on on movie releases due to the coronavirus? Anything like that? Even it doesn't have to be movies. Anything really that, that's that's coming. Uh, out. Well, I mean, Bob Iger, Bob Iger did confirm. Uh, Disney just dropped its coming in March and coming in April lists of things that are coming this spring to Disney Plus, and he did confirm a hundred percent. Song of the South will never see the light of day again. 
That's probably a good idea. Uh, which yeah. I mean, people are asking about it because, I mean, with the exceptions of the the vast and blatant racism that 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 the tropes in that film do show, uh, there are a lot of good beloved so- Disney songs that came out of that, such as Zippity Doodah, uh, that everybody uh, culturally has has kind of clung around and, and things like that. And I think it is kind of interesting that they're able to get away with putting a lot of old cartoons and things like that that have a lot of similar. Uh, disclaimers and and some allusion to that content granted it's not a, as prominent or proficient as song of the south but um basically right. able to say okay well we're gonna put these out here and put this little disclaimer in front of them that you know they're products of their time and blah blah whatever they're they're presented in their original format but we're not going to put that film out there um which again is probably for the best but you know it, it's just an interesting thought piece for me um but yeah, uh, that's pretty much all that uh, I really have in, in terms of that. Um, there is a new thing, interesting enough, uh, from Disney. Apparently, they are starting a new uh, historical fiction uh, book series based on their Disney princesses. Um, the newest of which is, or I guess the first of which, is going to start with uh, the story of Beauty and the Beast. And basically, it's going to take place right around the time of the French Revolution. And it's going to essentially serve as a sequel uh, to the Disney story, to the old uh, original fairy tale. So after Belle has freed the beast and the castle and that lands of, of that curse, um, she basically leaves uh, Prince Adam's castle and the town because she doesn't want to be their new princess and decides she's going to return to the Paris that she remembers traveling with her, her parents in her youth. And then she finds basically, you know, the, the vast amounts of... of strife and, and and civil civil discourse that's that's going on there and basically decides that rather than uh fade away into anonymity she's going to once again jump into the fray of the french revolution and decide to basically become a partisan and help uh help the people of paris overthrow these uh totalitarians so it is interesting to see a bit of because I, I love historical fiction especially when it's good stuff like that because that's essentially what they did with um the, the Showtime series Black Sails, where they took the old uh, uh, Treasure Island pirate crew, the original Flint's pirate crew and Long John Silver and things like that, and they tied that into uh, the, the actual history of the pirates of the Caribbean with Charles Vane and the actual real-life pirate story and, and things that happened there. Getting to see some legitimate, interesting historical fiction inspired by Disney characters and seeing how those rose-colored glasses show themselves in, in a more gritty real life seems to be pretty interesting. But again, the title on that book is going to be Rebel Rose. And I don't remember the name of the author who's supposed to be doing it. But if you search Rebel Rose in Disney historical fiction series, uh, you'll definitely come across it on the Internet. And I think IGN or Nerdist did a story on it. Uh, and it looks really promising. Uh, so there's that to look forward to. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. I mean, anytime we can get something um, that kind of mixes, you know, real life events and, and the fantasy stories that we get from whether it's Disney or Star Wars, um, Marvel, anything like that. Uh, that's always very, very cool. Whenever you can mix life event, real life events with, you know, things that are make believe. Uh, it, it's one of the coolest things in my mind. Um, one, the last big thing that we, we have for tonight Um it broke today, actually, and it's something that I saw, and then you literally tagged me after I tweeted about it. I want to say it was like 20 minutes or so. 
Uh, Rosario Dawson has apparently been cast as Ahsoka Tano for The Mandalorian Season 2. She's, been- uh, I did- she's a good actress. Yes, absolutely. Yes. She's she's wanted the role for forever. It's something that she has uh, really wanted to do. Um, IGN reported on it. Uh, comicbook.com recorded, reported on it. A couple other places. Um, so I, I feel like it is in the definitely in the realm of, of reality. Uh, obviously, until we we get something, um, you know, concrete, we won't know. I am a little surprised because uh, I I think we all kind of took it to believe that they had wrapped filming. So I don't know why this is getting out that she's just been cast. Uh, maybe they've got some things to finish up. Maybe we misrowed uh, Gina Carano's post about her rapping. Uh, we. It may have just been her work that was done, and there's a lot more left to do. I mean, she was only really um, but two it, and a half episodes in the first season, so for her... True. Um, I assumed we'd see her more, but I, I guess it's still possible we could only see her for a couple of episodes. I will say this. If Ahsoka does appear in season two, I don't think it will be in very many episodes. I don't think she will be a regular. I think it will be one or two that they kind of run into her um and and i mean it'll be a big deal obviously that will be the first time if she has her lightsabers that'll be the first time we see her you know a white lightsaber in live action um that will be the first time we really see any of her species in live action we got to see shakti uh in the in the prequels like once or twice very small snippets nothing nothing huge uh, but that will be so i mean those are very cool things um I know some people are upset that her voice actress, Ashley Eckstein, is not reprising. I don't know if that's just because they wanted someone a little bit older. Uh, obviously, Rosario Dawson is a little bit older. Ahsoka, uh, she would match Ahsoka's age pretty well at that point. Um, because she would be in her at least, at least her, you know, early 40s maybe late 30s, maybe late 40s, somewhere in that area. We don't know exactly how old she is in Clone Wars. Uh, at least, excuse me, I don't off the top of my head. Um, but I think that's a, I think it's a big reason. They may, they may very well, they, geez, I can't talk. They may very well use Ashley Eckstein's voice, similar to Maul using Ray Park as the actor still, and then using Sam Witwer's voice. That may very well happen. It's happened before in Star Wars. I could definitely see it happening again. And I also don't see Dave Filoni as a guy who really wants to reprise a a character as big as her, essentially. But uh, that's huge news for Star Wars fans. Uh, Hopefully we do get to see that. Um, You know, it would be a... It would be a it would go a long way to getting to see more animated characters in live action. Essentially, um, we've already had Saw Gerrera. Ahsoka would be the next one, uh, and that would be something you know really amazing. Yeah, I mean that's it, definitely an interesting thing to see, and I, I think what we've seen with um, with Forrest Whitaker taking on the role of Saw Gerrera, obviously, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe he was the voice for the animated character. Um, no, so no, no, no. He took over. You can see that afterwards. translation carry over very, very well because he did do the role quite well. But it, it was one. It's not one of those things that everybody was up in arms that it wasn't the actual original voice actress. Um, yeah, or voice and, and obviously saw. Yeah, and obviously saw Guerrero was not as big of a character in the Clone Wars as he became now that Forrest Whitaker has taken over. Um, since he's taken over, he's done the voice in the Rebels TV show and the Fallen Order game. 
Uh, so anytime he has popped up, it's been his likeness and voice. So it's changed a little bit that the because the character obviously wasn't you know a big character right. back then. But um, I mean, even in the original Clone Wars series, I mean, we didn't get to see Ewan McGregor or uh, right. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and they they still so, yeah. I, like I said, yeah. I and like I said, I completely understand why. Uh, I, I get it. You you don't sometimes voice actors you know are not suitable as an on-screen actor. Some can do a, a decent job, some can't. It just depends. I think, and like we said, Rosario Dawson has wanted to play this character for a long time. This is not something new that has just popped up. She's wanted the role, you know, since we started talking about seeing Ahsoka Tano in live action when the original Clone Wars TV series came out. So I'm not surprised that she got it. Uh, I think she'll do a very good job. I think she knows the character very well. She will be very faithful to the character, and I think in the end, Star Wars fans will be extremely happy with, with what she does. Um, LZ, any other any other things to go over tonight? Um, any other topics, news snippets, anything like that? That's all that's coming to my mind at the moment. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything this week. Like we said, with you know coronavirus and everything else been going on, everything's been shutting down. Yeah, a little uh, so shorter of a show, there's, but there's that's a okay. A uh, lot less to cover, but hey, since you got all this free time, like we like we always encourage, keep reading the things you like to read. Read new things that sound interesting. Watch the videos you like to watch. Get involved with some podcasts. And hey, if you can't get together in your local game store for a game of D&D, there's Tabletop Simulator, Roll20, Discord, all kinds of different things that you can play those games digitally and find groups. Uh, so, you know. Go out there and do the nerdy things you guys love to do. Play some Xbox, play some PlayStation, Animal Crossing, whatever. Just keep doing things you like to do. and Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep it between the joysticks. And we'll see you guys next time.